Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the Alchemist podcast, which is an extension of the blog Alchemist in the Making. I'm your host, Kimberly Ho, the millennial who finds interest in anything and everything with regards to architecture. So carrying on season three with the title, Is This What You Wanted?, which is a collaboration with my friend Gina Ho. The two of us are interviewing a series of, well, not interviewing a series of people, whoops, interviewing different colleagues and friends who are from the architecture industry but have either continued on with their journey in architecture, if not extended to somewhere else. So in this category of the people who he might challenge me later if I say this, who potentially have left architecture. I have my friend Denny Chan. He is an architect, photographer, and business owner. Please tell me that I got those categories correct <laughs> later on. But yeah, so the two of us, we met when I was having my little short stint in Hong Kong. So right now, Denny is actually three hours behind from where I am. But before I get started, Denny, could I please get you to introduce yourself? Right. Hello, uh, my name is Denny, uh, and I am not working in an architecture firm at the moment, so technically not doing architecture-related work. Uh, well, but, but I, I still call myself an architect and a mm. photographer too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. So yeah, so uh, I'm currently based in Hong Kong, and I work in a gin company. And that is probably one of the reasons why I really want to ask you, is that your whole journey from architecture to gin but Mm. before we get into the main part of the conversation what was life before architecture so anything that influenced you into architecture and perhaps like what was your architecture studies like as well so the uh, choosing architecture as a a degree was kind of a a, by elimination Uh, so i was Mm -hmm. i was into the arts i was uh for gcse back in i studied in uk did art Mm -hmm. ceramics and design technology uh and uh, i actually wanted to do a fine arts degree uh before being a typical of asian parents saying uh, (laughs) well there's not much of a career being an artist and then uh, by i thought about becoming a graphic designer i thought about doing photography as well in the end i guess i decided to choose uh, an architecture as well Uh, when you do architecture you can always go back to becoming graphic a graphic designer as well Uh, but if you chose the other way around then you it's another six or eight years before you, you can do architecture so that's pretty much how I chose architecture. Yeah. Yeah, and you studied architecture in London. In Nottingham, uh, in, uh-huh, in the Midlands. Okay. So yeah, that's where where I did my studies uh, in Nottingham, part one, two, and three. What was that like? Right. So. Uh, it was a six-year course uh, and now thinking back actually i probably would not have chosen any other course than uh, mm-hmm. than architecture because mm-hmm. you get to touch on so many different fields from graphics to lots of different industries and mm-hmm. uh, and lots of the skill sets are proving to be very useful where i'm at now i think the the thing is the reason why i want i was a bit curious about like your architecture studies in the UK is mainly because for us in Australia, our studies aren't as complex in comparison to what the UK model is, mainly because I think in terms of the framework of our studies, ours is quite, well, depending on which university you go to, ours is quite theoretical, if not conceptual. Um, as much as we'd love to learn the more technicalities of it, that really depends on which areas you want to target, or perhaps because 
the complexities of the structure and such that is it's assumed knowledge that you'll learn that further when you go into practice whereas i'm not sure if it's the same in uk as well yeah i think with architectural school there are lots of different uh i guess school of thoughts like some somewhere like the bartlett where like you said is very very conceptual uh mm. whereas there's the university of bath which is very engineered based the entire course mm. is very very based around practical uh, skills. I, I would say Nottingham is somewhere in the middle. Uh, there's different studios uh, in the year and you can uh, pick very, very scientific-based studios, which I did for for one of the semesters, which was environmental design, uh, learning to use lots of different softwares, thermal studies, uh, ventilations, as well as having another studio, which is a lot more conceptual too. So mm. how long did you stay in architecture then? So after you did the whole studying and such? So, so in, in total, uh, I, I worked both in Hong Kong and UK. I worked in IDIS, which is a, a big firm in Hong Kong. And oh. uh, I spent three years in London uh, working in a, a medium-sized firm, about 30 people, mm. mainly on residential, before I got my license. What was that like, the transition between London and Hong Kong? Um, so the scale was very different. Mm-hmm. I was uh, in Hong Kong. I was working on a few mega complexes in, the, in, in China at that time. And uh, in my first project that I was leading uh, in, in London was uh, a residential development of 31 units. And then I did a couple of 16 units. So the scale is very, very different. And the entire construction is very different too. There's a, there's a lot yeah. more details uh, with bricks and mortars than in Hong Kong where there's no insulation. You can, there's a, there's a, actually buildings in Hong Kong a lot more simple in that term. For, for me, I guess working in London was interesting because in architectural school you always think about oh design is for not just for the for the top tier for one two percent it could be a, a mass market like the, the the mass population could benefit from the ninety eight percent as well but mm. then again when you're looking in London we actually do really good design as well but a lot of times it's very standard typical world build houses i'm just curious because obviously i perhaps i have this illusion like one day i would love to work in the uk i think it was just because i had this school trip back in uni and i Mm. went to uk for 11 days it was only small 11 days and then fell in love with the place already kind of is a little bit reminiscent of hong kong so so you you went you worked in uk or did you work in hk first and then uk and then you went back to so uh after three years which is the part one uh we have a year mm-hmm. uh a year out and i decided okay. to go for uh, to a big firm to work in to, uh, and that was nidus and i came back mm-hmm. to uk to study my masters and after that i decided to go for a, a medium-sized firm uh, mm-hmm. and chose allen camp architects uh, in london uh, and mm-hmm stay there yeah and then after that so you got registered and such what was that turning point when you decide to do something else beyond (laughs) architecture then right so so for me uh i've always had an interest in doing lots of different things uh even outside work so um like i I would play football tennis and dragon boat in hong kong when i was working in hong kong 
Uh, really? It, yeah, and in UK as well. I I was in a couple of football teams too, uh, and I started doing photography, uh, freelancing as well. One of the thing that got me started doing photography was uh, Sofer Sounds, which is a a music group uh, that do little hidden gigs uh, every day in different mm-hmm. cities. And I went to one of the gigs, and then they said, "Oh, we need volunteers. Anyone who who likes to do photography." And I said, "Oh, I've got a camera, and I could help out." Uh, so then mm-hmm. every other week in London I would be going to the Silver Sounds kit gigs which is kind of perfect for me because every time they go to a different space mm. I love music and the atmosphere is amazing and I get to take lots of photos then I'm curious because you said you like photography and then going back to the very start you did consider approaching fine arts as one of your main studies mm. then with photography being something you would have studied or what was your idea of fine arts? Like? <laughs> so, what the fine arts uh, didn't know actually. I used to be in a boarding school in UK, and yeah. over the weekends I'll be either at the ceramic studios or at the at the art department and just sit there for the afternoon, just paint. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to have a career out of it? Um, mm. uh, photography never studied, like even till now, uh, everything mm-hmm. was learned from YouTube uh, or online. Um, so didn't really study that um but we're talking about how i thought about photography as a career during that time when i was in in uk i had a plan which is just to get my architect's license first uh and the plan was to get it before i was 30. i got it when i was 28 so then so suddenly i thought oh there's two years uh, ahead of my timeline a little bit so then when I got my license, I kind of showed my dad and said, here, here's my <laughs> license. Uh, it's not really going to go away. It's going to stay with me for the rest of my life. But then it was uh, that two years where I decided maybe I could try, I called it a year, anything but architecture. Uh, so I picked up my camera, uh, decided to do anything to do with photography, music or design, um, mm-hmm. whether in Hong Kong or, or UK as well, like it was, it was completely open. For me so yeah. getting my license was kind of not the end of something but kind of at the same time it's the beginning of a new chapter kind of like a fall back to an extent i would argue I, I guess in a way it's some sort of security uh mm-hmm. and for me uh it's having an architect's license does have some bargaining power like if i if i <laughs> turn up to uh, like as a freelancer you be constantly having different conversations with different people and then yeah. when you say oh i can do some sort of design i can do these and as soon as they know you're an architect somehow they yeah. there's a little bit more confidence that uh they they believe in you i think that is kind of ironic because you said that you were going to spend one year of not doing anything architecture yet yeah. you're using architect nah, like the yeah. title of architect <laughs> as your I know defense mechanism or like your bargaining power as well. Do you think, okay, this is something I would like to ask and now that it's just popped up into my head. So basically, one of the main reasons why I start this whole shebang, like alchemist in the making, is mainly because of, you know Humans of New York, right? Brandon yeah. Stanton. Yeah. He, 2014, so that was the year when I started studying architecture. And then I came across this couple and... I don't know who said this, but the caption was, we are all victims of the architect. Everywhere you go, there is architecture. You can get away from art, music, history. I'm just paraphrasing here, but good luck getting away from architecture. So do you think you have successfully 
disassociate yourself to an extent from architecture during your whole freelancing? Well, I say that, but then a lot of the times things do come back. Like, so then now you have to define what is architecture, right? Oh uh, uh, right. So, uh, yeah. and the most kind of obvious sense is the building. Uh, yeah. Now I'm working in the gin company. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're thinking about building a distillery, and we have a new shop opening next month. So mm-hmm. I've downloaded AutoCAD again. I've been I've been looking at the regulations and what it takes to build a distillery. So in in the sense that's why I said I although I'm not working in an architecture firm at the moment, a lot of the stuff I'm doing is is still architecture related. Then what about during your year out? So like you said, you did a lot of photography first. Sorry, before we go into understanding the whole starting your side your other Mm. business um perhaps if you could walk through the whole photography journey because anything can happen in one year definitely so any of like i don't know highlights and lowlights and such you can tell me yeah so um well my plan was pretty much was not really a plan but it was it was more like a mentality when i Mm. came back to hong kong there wasn't a, a set path what i wanted to do i just in a way, in a very crude way, was to say yes to everything and see where that yeah. would lead me. And uh, at that point, if you asked me, I was probably on the way of or maybe having, as a freelancer, self-employed, maybe having my own creative agency, doing a lot of different work from designing furniture or photography. And at that time, uh, I came back to Hong Kong and the first thing I did was I co-founded the, the Silver Sounds Hong Kong chapter. So I brought that model to Hong Kong. And uh, through lots of different meetings, and I had a chance to design the kindergarten as well in Hong Kong. Uh, so I, I said no architecture, but I did design two <laughs> kindergartens, one in China, one in Hong Kong. Wow, uh, so cool. Yeah, so while I was in UK, uh, I would do photography with uh, through uh, for a church for free, um, mainly for Easter, for Christmas and things. And I happened to work with a one of the most interesting person I know, uh, Reverend William Taylor. And mm. he does a lot of work in the Middle East and, and Asia as well. Uh, and at that time, he said, oh, since you're freelancing now, would you be able to take a couple of weeks and, uh, and go with him on these uh, fundraising campaigns? Uh, where he would be going to the Middle East and Asia uh, to visit uh, the, the, the people in need and, and kindly invited me to go with him uh, with my camera and did a photo narrative of the whole journey. How was that then? How long did it go for actually? That was, uh, it was very interesting. Uh, so the first place we went to was in Iraq. Uh, and it was for a group called Iraqi Christians in Need. Uh, yeah. So a little bit about history was in 2014, uh, ISIS, they captured uh, Mosul. Uh, they were occupied Mosul and a lot of the Christians and, and Yazidis, which is a, another religious group in Iraq, were expelled from, uh, they had to flee their, their city. And uh, for uh, three years, they were living in uh, refugee camps. Um, in 2017, in July, they were finally uh, expelled from Mosul, uh, and the village, uh, the Christians, were allowed to go back. And that year, August, that was when we visited uh, in Iraq, and mm. uh, and it was a, a pretty amazing experience. I thought it was going to be a one in a lifetime experience, um, but in 2018, I got invited to go back again, and I was actually. Mm. Uh, invited again this year in September uh, to go again. Uh, one of the the priests we know he was getting ordained, 
Oh, so wow. it was more of a celebration period, but due to the COVID, so everything, everybody is uh, locked down at the moment. Yeah, is is Hong Kong's COVID blocking like the house of borders in Hong Kong right now? Just side note, out so technically you can fly anywhere you want to. Um, mm. Well, I say that uh, it depends on which country. Let's say Japan, uh, they're they they're not issuing visas for uh, tourists at the moment, but places like yeah. UK, it's open. We can go, uh, but when we come back to Hong Kong, there's a two week quarantine period. Some of my friends had to do that when uh, one of them in particular was studying in the states and then come back. Like even on our WhatsApp calls, you watch him with the wristband, like he can't <laughs> take it off. Yeah. But yeah, do you think? Like, would there be another opportunity to go then, if you were? Because I know it was such an important celebration, but when do you think is the next time you'll go back then? I am planning maybe next year summer. Uh, I mean, last time yeah. when I went to Iraq again, we visit uh, another area. So it's uh, in, uh, it's twenty minutes on the north side of Mosul, uh, yeah. Al Kush uh, Telescope in Batnaya, and they actually offered me. Uh, uh, to stay for three months to to teach them. Uh, at that time, um, last year, I didn't know what to teach them, I like, guess, as, as an architect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, um, if you were in UK or in Hong Kong, I could teach you how to freelance, how to, how to do photography and those things. But then yeah. thinking about it, most of them, uh, people that live there, they also have smartphones. They are also uh, university graduate as well. Uh, yeah. So I, I thought about teaching them the, the art of content creation i'm mm. sure someone would be interested in their rebuilding's efforts uh, a lot of them aren't uh, electricians or builders but then their the villages are, are, some of them are 80 percent damaged now they're moving in to rebuild their communities so yeah. i'm sure somewhere uh, some people around the world would be interested to see their work yeah i mean i think again like it comes down to outreach as well like given that technology is relatively powerful and quite useful in terms of communication so would be interesting to see how that develops as well so i guess that was quite the highlight of your trip then like yeah. during your whole freelance situation and was there anything that led out from that then so um with that trip in Iraq, I also traveled with William to India, uh, mm -hmm. to Myanmar. And this is, I guess for me, it was very interesting to see a very different perspective of the world. Like these people are, are thinking about survival. These people are thinking uh, about rebuilding their communities, uh, literally from scratch. And um, I guess that made me not want to do an office job. <laughs> I think there's so much more interesting yeah. thing to do. Um, yeah. And yeah, so some of the trips, another trip which was very interesting was going to India uh, and to a music school uh, to, mm -hmm. to help the, the, the underprivileged kids to get a new skill set, which is uh, through music, mm -hmm. how to lift them uh, uh, from poverty. So, oh. yeah, so I forgot what your question was. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. I think yeah. like maybe it was just more like the other highlights, but it sounds like you've your whole year was literally full of travel. If you ask me, I would coin that as the millennial's dream of being able to travel around the world. Yeah, photography is very interesting because it's, if you mm. consider that as a language, it's a universal language. And yeah. it's very, it's a very quick turnaround. Uh, so I, I could come here, do some photos, and instantly I could show you the photos. And, yeah. um, and 
any businesses uh, would like to have, like people like to have nice pictures, right? So if you have business, yeah. you probably want some nice pictures of your products. If you're mm. if you're running an event, you would want nice photos. So it's a very handy skill to yeah. to as a freelancer to have. I remember because like back then when we were talking about you switching to freelance, it was a bit intimidating to an extent because. Again, I don't, I don't know how much of the architecture side would help you benefit, like would benefit you in terms of, I don't know, kickstarting that side of the business. Okay, perhaps sidetrack a little bit. Have you heard of this term called democra- democratizing in design or democratizing design? No, tell me. No. Um, so this is a conversation that my friends and I have a lot, and it was a family friend who introduced me to this term. So democratizing design is basically making design accessible for everybody. So the easiest way to describe something is your iPad with the pen, like the Apple Pencil, and they make digital drawing a little bit more accessible for other people. And then there's also Instagram, right? You've got filters and like knowing those grids. And when you put images in squares, it's generally already aesthetically pleasing so then that's allowing people to find traction or like traffic into their area and therefore being able to financially support themselves as well so maybe i'm going off track here but what i'm just saying is that because of that huge competition i guess what were your strategies in terms of standing out i'm just asking this out of curiosity perhaps uh to to answer that question is um so yes um no longer you need to be a coder to build a website. Uh, mm. Your your phone can probably take 4K videos as well. Uh, and but then again, I think that's the the idea of the designer. So I I worked on a few projects where I said I don't know coding, but I can mm. help you build the website on on, mm. on Wix. Uh, and as a one-off cost, I will do the photography, and then I'll I, I know how to do the layouts. I'll make sure it looks nice, and then you can have mm. the Wix account and you can manage it. It's very very user friendly, much better than yeah. a, a WordPress or or any other coding, <laughs> right? WordPress, yeah. So technology has made it a lot easier to to make things look good, uh, and yeah. sometimes uh, it's just having nice photos or or some some people they say I, I can do it as well, but I don't have the time. And that's mm. why I'm gonna pay you to tackle this problem. Mm. So, as a freelancer, um, I think most people are worried. Oh, I don't have a paycheck at the end of mm-hmm. the month. Uh, that's the biggest fear, right? Mm. Uh, for me, I don't buy a lot of things. So I just say, okay, how much do I need to survive? Okay, I've gonna pay rent. That's a fixed cost. But aside from that, then when you realize, ah, that cost, it's only a couple of photo shoots. So I need to make sure this month I find a couple uh, Mm. gigs to to take photos of. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you you get with yourself, which is um, actually it's okay to do exploring. In the long term, okay, am I going to have to pay a mortgage? I'm going to have kids. How do I grow that money? But that's a completely different story. And that's why for me now it's doing business at the moment, which is at the same time, you're touching a lot of so many different fields when you're Mm -hmm. in the business. So between photography and business then, was there anything else that kind of veered you directly into the business? Uh, It was a very natural transition for me i was doing a lot of freelancing and i was kind of like a boat where wherever the wind takes you'll be you'll be uh... jumping around at one point uh, i designed a charity called uh, design trust and that's where we met 
yeah, and yeah, for yeah. me that was in part might have been the best of both worlds which was it was architecture related it was interesting work mm-hmm. and it was a paid gig as well and in an NGO which I was quite interested in working too in the end the work wasn't quite how I was expecting it to be mm-hmm. um, you didn't have much control of what you could do and that was the very same period where a couple of my friends started a brand mm-hmm. called Perfume Trees Gin and want they uh, as a startup they needed help taking photos doing the marketing so I was mm-hmm. helping them out as a part-time basis and mm-hmm. then from part-time went on to becoming full-time and then uh, and then eventually uh, basically going all in uh, that's how we say uh, on this product because when i met you you were just finishing about to finish off your work hmm. and then heading elsewhere as well wasn't it like how long were you in that and like how long were you in dt for then design trust was six months it's oh. uh interesting projects and very interesting contacts so uh through yeah. that platform we met uh, a lot of very talented designers uh, and at that time we were desi- uh, we were doing a program on parks uh, micro parks in Hong Kong so I got to connect with a lot of the government officials from all sorts of different departments I think that was one of the reasons why I was quite drawn to it it was the initiative as well as like improving the communities as well I don't know if it's because of just because of the studios that I've studied it was quite altruistic or very civic mixed use space it was always about looking after other people apart from like just the whole usual residential design but then again everybody has their own differences in opinions yeah. as well um yeah i didn't realize that you were doing photography like part-time photography for perfume tree yeah. So yeah, uh, with perfume trees, uh, the the product wasn't launched before, but one of the founders, mm. it's called uh, Kit. Uh, he's a long term friend. I've I've known him for about twelve thirteen years. Mm. He is a a very talented bartender or mixologist, and he would do classes as well for for community mm. centers. Um, and he would teach private class as well as um for. We call them fringe kids, which are kids who are out of school. Uh, they are uh, they 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 have bad grades. They probably won't get into university, so they don't really have a career option in Hong Kong. So my mm. friend would teach them uh, the kind of art of bartending, uh, or like to engage with what learning is. Like if you like yeah. whiskey, what is whiskey? And you look at the history of whiskey. There's bourbon. There's uh, there's scotch. Then you start looking at the chemistry of it what is distillation, uh, what's the cultural significance. So that's one of the classes where I would come in and take some photos of his class. And he would do a lot of guest shift events as well, uh, yeah. uh, going around different bars. So I was yeah. taking a lot of pictures for him. Any other aspects apart from just photography then? Because like eventually you did merge into the business aspect of it. Hmm. Like marketing? Did you help them with marketing and such? I don't know how you... Right. Uh, so, <laughs> so when I went into the team, right, so I'm not from the F&B industry. I don't know much about spirits, um, but I speak English, right? So uh, that's yeah. a, a skill set that you can uh, market to outside of Hong Kong. So it, in, in, within the product, I guess my role officially, it's called International <laughs> Development Manager, IDM. Mm-hmm. I call mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter because I do pretty much... <laughs> everything right that's my yeah. role uh so yeah i look after the instagram uh when we do events we would do uh graphics uh we'll 
to um, like say tank carts and things so a lot of graphics uh, now we're opening a new shop uh, we have a cool idea of making it like a gallery space slash bar so oh, we'll yeah. invite a lot of different artists uh, coming in to, to, to do different shows musicians to perform so we hope to have make this a, a very very interesting space that will be different every time you come in um, yeah so then now I'm I'm using my contacts from from Sofa Sounds when I was working with a lot of different artists to mm-hmm. to bring them in as well. Yeah. I think it's kind of nice it to an extent went into a circle just because again how you were saying at the start like graphics design and all and then now you're doing the whole graphic aspect of it and then again designing the shop and then retying that. Yeah, and we're we're experience. constantly thinking about uh, coming out with new products too. So yeah. we're, we're looking about the market trends. We're working with a lot of local farmers. What kind of interesting herbs uh, we could mm. use to infuse? Uh, the latest mm. one could be a roasted sesame. Uh, so which is a very <laughs> very tasty uh, spirit. Disclaimer: We're not being sponsored by this company <laughs> here. <laughs> it's just I wanted to ask him about a few things. I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, being involved in it now, then where do you think you are at at this point? And yeah, again, coming to the topic of do you think this is what you wanted as of now, looking back at what you've done? I think it's definitely a happy place. Uh, Yeah. Number one, because you can drink, (laughs) even on the bad day. (laughs) But but it's it's very important to find uh, partners or people that are kind of on the same wavelength, people that you can rely on. And uh, within the company, uh, Kit is from uh, the F&B industry, but uh, Joseph, he's actually uh, has a nursing background. He was a head nurse for 10 years uh, Mm. and then left that industry. Um, So as a team, we, as a business as well, we think way beyond just a spirit we think about how do we create interesting products uh, with mm. lots of different collaborations with uh, local farmers as well as artists and to be able to define what you want to do it's a very interesting I think that's a that's the greatest blessing a person can have I think it's also nice when you've got a really good support group as well um, just sharing that same ambition because I feel like sometimes when you want to step out and try something, it can be quite defeating if you don't have, if you don't build a small community within yourself for people to, like, to prompt you into pursuing that. Because evidently, yes, we need to validate ourselves. Like, we need to get validation from ourselves, but that's not the easiest. Like, we need other people to provide, like, offer that type of validation. Not saying it's a bad thing. Like, we just need that camaraderie if not support from each other to make things Mm. work and i think that's why it the whole business aspect that you're working in now is doing well is because you're seeing to each other's strengths to make it successful so would be curious to know whether it's gonna grow beyond the gin like you're gonna be solely focusing on gin or does perfume trees see them branching out to different places so currently we have a plan on building our distillery uh, yeah and yeah. it's going to be in japan uh, mm. so it's suddenly a huge new chapter very exciting for us <laughs> and we foresee 
and, and, and that specific area is very famous in woodworking and furniture as well. So mm. we will venture out into making crafted products as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, like I said, uh, the company is built with lots of people from different industries. Yeah. And we all have an idea to use this, uh, I guess, business as a platform to do interesting products. Do you see yourself like, I know this will be a long term thing, but do you think... I know architecture is still part of it, but do you think you'll ever perhaps go back into architecture or do you think you'll do anything differently as well? Mm, at the moment, uh, who knows? <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe in five years, uh, if I'm based in Japan and I find, oh, there's a, there's a market or there's a need for, for people designing houses, uh, yeah. then maybe I'll come back. Sign me up if you do decide to set up practice in Japan. I would definitely fly over. <laughs> And such. Yeah. Sounds like you though. It, it's very you. So, yeah, I won't be surprised if I see something like this happens. <laughs> yeah, before we wrap things up or close off this conversation, could you please share a letter to yourself, which is both in the past and future? Right. Um, what <laughs> I think I would tell my, my younger self mm. is be patient. <laughs> Uh, just yep. uh, get your license, which I did. Uh, but it, uh, <laughs> it's that eight years would prove to be, be very good for me. Uh, so it, it was very interesting. I remembered after my part one, I told my dad, should I just come out and do business? Or should mm -hmm. I carry on and spend another six years to do architecture? Uh, mm -hmm. And my dad said, okay, well, why are you after? Are you just after for, for more money? Maybe if I came out and did business, I probably would earn more, uh, yeah. whatever I was doing. Um, or after six years, I'll come out as an architecture degree. And my dad said, if you came out when you were 21 and then you spent six years doing business and things, you might fail yeah. or you might become successful. But if you become successful, no doubt, six years down the line, uh, when you get the architect's license and then you do another six years of business, you'll be going to further places. You'll be going uh, mm. beyond. So I guess that take back was if you're going to be successful, you'll be successful anyway. But then with an architect's <laughs> license, you can go to places where uh, you might not be without one. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I guess thinking about it, if I left when I was 21 and did uh, the, the, the year of freelancing uh, without the knowledge or the skill set I had, without the financial, I guess, support that I have saved up, um, mm. I probably would have just spent traveling, just going parties, or, or it would be a lot less productive. Um, yeah. And the fact that I waited another six years before I did it means I'm hungrier than, than ever. I had the resource to, to basically uh, fly as well uh, and yeah and having the, the degree as well which helped yeah yeah what about to your future self then hmm. um, five ten twenty years whichever you'd like to have <laughs> i i hope to be equally as passionate don't forget where i'm at at the moment the last thing i want myself is to be in a very mundane job and uh <laughs> and, and just living to pay the mortgage <laughs> Sounds like Denny, as always. Yeah. Sounds very much like you. Um, again, Denny, any other social in like handles that we have before you go? Yeah, you can follow me on my Instagram uh, and uh, check out our product. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Ching -ching! I'll leave them yes. in the notes. 
Yes. Yeah, we're not we're not being sponsored. Okay, <laughs> I live all the way in Australia and I still haven't had a taste of it. But right. anyhow, um, again, thank you so much for your time, Daddy. I know the three hour difference is probably a little bit annoying, but oh, really glad that you're able to hop onto it. Yep. And such. It's a pleasure. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but anyhow if you guys have anything else you'd like us to talk about or if you've got somebody who you think would be suitable for this segment please as always message us on instagram which is archivist in the making or in one space but in the meantime please take care and stay safe and we'll see you for another episode bye goodbye